we're going to ask Lance Carpenter to come this morning. And uh, you probably know Lance. Um, he is on our leadership team here at Family Bible Church and has been for, I don't know, probably a, a year or so. Could be six months, could be three years. My my brain doesn't work real well. Yeah, it's been a while. So, um, but Lance has been around a long time. And um, so uh, Lance had something on his heart that he wanted to share. So we're going to turn things over to him and let him uh, um, share from us from the word and, and bring it this morning. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Um, blast. Go ahead and blast off. And, and the volunteer teachers and helpers, we thank you for that. We are, uh, we are absolutely blessed in our body here. I mean, I listened to the music this morning, uh, the top three, the sharing. Uh, the music is not only fun to listen to, but there's a great message behind it. Um, we're blessed, and I just am thankful for that. Um, it's going to be a little different today, uh, you could probably imagine. Um, I asked Fred to bar the door so that when you find out what I'm talking about, you don't all get up and leave. Um, but uh, I'm also hoping this be a, a, a conversation, sort of a discussion. And for those of you that are new here, uh, I'll apologize in advance, okay? Um, your timing was bad, but, uh, you know, sorry. That's the way it goes. Uh, we do things a little differently around here, but that's okay. Um, but I want it to be kind of interactive. You know, we want to be able to, to share back and forth. It's not just about me standing here talking, because you get tired of that after about two minutes, okay? So I want it to be interactive, so I'm going to ask for some audience participation, okay? I'm reminded of, uh, of Paul's admonishment to Timothy uh, not to forsake the public uh, reading of Scripture, the reading public, of the, public reading of the Word. So I'm going to ask for some volunteers to help me out with reading some Scripture, okay? And I'll tell you right up front, guys, I'm expecting you to lead the charge on this, okay? No pressure, but that's kind of what I'm looking for. So if some folks would volunteer to read some scripture for me, let me see some hands. All right, Dean, you rock. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Let me, let me, let me read some out. And, uh, and the reason, too, is because I don't want to be looking them all up. Um, I do have some notes here, and you'll be happy that I've whittled uh, what I want to talk about down to about two and a half hours. So it, I mean, it was four, uh, so we're doing pretty good. Um, let's see. If somebody could look up, and I'll let you look these up in advance so that you're ready to roll when we get to them. Um, Genesis 14, 17 to 20. Who wants to take that one? Dean, you got that one? Okay. Did you get that? Genesis 14, 17 to 20. Um, how about Genesis 28, 20 to 22? Who wants that one? Ruby, thank you. Okay, um, let's see. Deuteronomy 4, these are all Old Testament scripture. That's what you're in for. Um, Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 29. You want to take that? Thank you. And uh, let's see. How about... Galatians 3, 1 to 6. Thank you. It's almost like an auction. You know, if you raise your hand, you win. Okay? It was, um, uh, which one was it? Galatians 3, 1 to 6. Okay? And how about, uh, let's see. Matthew 23, 23. One verse. 
Thank you. Okay. Um, and let's see. Luke 18, 9 to 14. I got any takers for that one? Mike, thank you. All right. You see how I'm getting out of this public speaking thing? I'm just going to turn it over to you guys, and we're just going to go right around. It's almost, almost. Um, let's see. We're almost at the end of my list here. Okay, these are the really good ones. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 17. 2 Corinthians 9, 17. All right, Dale, thank you. Um, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Mike, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. And let's see. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, another one-verser. 9, 6. You got it. And you can sing it if you'd like. That would be awesome. That was fantastic, by the way. That was awesome. I like that. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. We gave that. Good. That was a test. See if you guys are still with me. You're doing good. Um, Luke 17, 10. Another one-verser. Luke 17, 10. Thank you. Two. This guy is into it. I love it. Okay. Uh, now, let's see. There's more, but... Yeah. I don't remember. But if we get to one and nobody reads it, you got it. Yes. No way. Okay, well, find the one that fits and, and read that one, okay? You'll, you'll, get, you'll get the hang of it, okay? All right. You see how we're going to roll today? It's going to be different, all right? Um, and, and, and I can guarantee you that, that you'll remember this at least till lunch. Okay. All right, now that we've gotten that out, what, what I'm going to be talking with you about, I asked Bill if I could talk about this because it's one of those things that most churches don't like talking about. Okay, we're going to be talking about the tithe. Okay, tithing today. Fred, you got the door? Okay, nobody's going to escape. Um, and, and it's probably not going to be what you expect. All right. Um, what do most churches, you know, how do most churches, if you've gone to other churches besides Family Bible Church, how do they talk about the tithe, or when do they talk about the tithe? When the church coffers are getting low, right? Okay, if, if the bank account's getting kind of lean, then it's time to have a sermon on the tithe, right? So we can guilt everybody into giving us more money. Um, you know, another time that it, it is often talked about is when they're undertaking a big project, a building fund, or something like that. You know, we take on a building fund, and so we start that off, we kick that off with a sermon about the tithe. Um, and then uh, another time that you hear the tithe spoken about in religious circles, a lot of times on TV, uh, is when people want to, frankly, line their pockets. Okay? Uh, get you to give to their ministry. And the tithe is used as a way or a mechanism to do that. Well, I'm happy to tell you that our coffers are fine, okay, so it's not an issue for us. We don't have any huge building programs going on, so nothing going on there. And I would blow your money if you gave it to me, so I'm not going 
I'm not going to try and line my pockets. So anyway, those are the kind of things usually that churches will, you know, look at to talk about the tithe. But we're not going to do that, okay? So you may ask, and feel free to ask this, why are we going to talk about it? Thank you, okay? You know, why should we talk about it? If, if none of those things apply, why should we talk about it? Well, one reason is because what did Jesus talk about most in his ministry? What was the issue that he discussed the most? It was money, okay? He talked about money in lots of different ways. And, and why do you think that is? Any ideas? It's a big deal. It's a big deal in people's lives. Uh, and, and I think also Jesus talked about it because it's a huge distraction to some of the things that really do matter. And I think money sometimes blinds us or distracts us or gets us off track for a lot of things that really do matter. And, and Jesus spoke about those things that do matter and he used money as a way to get to that. Okay? So we ought to do the same thing. Uh, it's a source of confusion. Okay? Fundings, uh, financial things. Um, sometimes our attitudes about finances can be a reflection of our spiritual health. Okay? That's not to say that, that that is a direct correlation, but sometimes it's a reflection of our spiritual health, our attitudes towards money. Now, you notice I didn't say how we use our money or what we do with our money or how much money we have. None of those are a reflection of our spiritual health, but our attitude towards it certainly is. Um, and so consequently, we want to become spiritually mature disciples, right? I mean, that's our objective. That's what we want to accomplish. We want to become spiritually mature disciples. So that's why we should talk about it. Not for any of those other reasons I listed before, but because this is about being a disciple. Okay, and it's just one aspect of things that we do. Um, so that's why we're going to talk about it. Okay, we'll start off uh, at the beginning. A good place to start, generally speaking. Um, and so we'll talk about where the tithe, the concept of the tithe actually came from. And that's why all those Old Testament verses are in there, okay? But there are some things about that that are still uh, confusing and that have been, um, you know, used incorrectly in the church. Now, I would, I would offer to you, if I stand up here and say something, don't just believe it, okay? If you have the scripture, go check it out, okay? Read what it says. Um, read it in context. You know, don't just read single verses because we can take single verses and create entire, you know, doctrine around that and it could be totally wrong so read it in context take a look at it test what what i have to say here and if i've got anything wrong please let me know okay because I, I don't want to be wrong i hate that it happens all the time um so who had genesis 14 17 to 20 dean this is going to be interactive i'm going to move around do, do I get to apologize for mispronouncing these names to start no, with? Nobody worry about that. Okay. Then, after his return from the defeat of Sherdolomer and the kings who went with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Seba, that is, the, valley, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered his, your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tenth of all. Okay, did everybody get that? 
Everybody's probably heard that story about Melchizedek, right? The priest that came out. Abraham had just defeated uh, Kedar Laomer. See, if you say it with confidence, people think you're saying it right. You know? That's probably wrong. But Abraham just came from defeating uh, him and rescuing his family, uh, Lot. Uh, uh, Solomon Gorora had just been taken over by this the big king and, and a, a bunch of other kings that got together in alliance. And he had just been victorious for that. And Melchizedek, um, the priest from Salem, came out and Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder, essentially. Okay? And a lot of folks look at this as the, uh, the beginning of the tithe. Okay? But I'm, I'm going to say that that is not the beginning of the tithe. Okay, because there are a couple of things that are different about that than what we came to know the tithe as later in, uh, in Jewish history is that, first of all, it was just the plunder that he offered a tenth of. Okay, and it was the only time Abraham did anything like that, at least in the recorded scripture. Okay, so it wasn't repeated as a regular, you know, habit kind of thing. So I'm going to say that probably is not the beginning of the tradition of the tithe. Although that's one that we often refer to. Why do you think that is? Because it mentions a number. It says a tenth. And so we say, oh, there's a number. Let's attach to that. And, and we look at that as the beginning of the tithe. But probably it was not. Okay? Um, first of all, that was not in, in response to Mosaic law, which is where the tithe really was established. Okay. Um, uh, Interestingly, too, when you get back to the, uh, the folks that are on TV asking you to send in your money, um, Abraham was offered all the goods, and he refused them, if you re read later on in that chapter. So that was a little different, too. Okay, um, the second uh, time that people think that uh, the tithe was kind of established or, or, or you know, created was when uh, Jacob was involved. Who had Genesis 28? Ruby. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We've got to hear you, okay? <laughs> then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Okay, everybody get that? Now hopefully you get a chance to read along, you know, so you're not trying to, to process this stuff as you hear it. But what's going on there? What's Jacob doing? He's striking a bargain with God, right? I mean, he's saying, okay, if you do these things for me, then I will make you my God, and then I will give you 10%, okay? Jacob was kind of wheeling and dealing with God. And, and that was... The second time that people allude to the creation of the tithe. Why do you think that is? There was a number involved. Okay, a tenth. Okay, are you seeing a trend here? We're, we're kind of seeing numbers uh, thrown out there. But those numbers don't create the um, doctrine or whatever you want to call it, the practice of tithing. Um, and, and Jacob's approach to it was really, you know, like I said, a wheeler-dealer kind of thing. That, I don't think that's the intent. All right? And that also was pre-Mosaic law. Okay, so actually the tithe was established um, by God for Moses in Leviticus 
27, 30 to 34. In case you're taking notes, all right, one thing I, sh I should point out to you is that the, um, the uh, contact card or the engagement sheet is very blank and very empty today, okay? Uh, that's because that's what you get, plain vanilla, you know, lots of room to write. So um, that was established in Leviticus 27, 30 to 34. And essentially that is where God gave the law to Moses, okay? And it was all established at that point on Mount Sinai. Did I give that to anybody to read? I didn't think so. I'm just testing, just checking to see if you guys are with me. You're doing great. Hang in there. Another uh, hour and 45 minutes left, right? Okay. Um, the next one we have is the actual description of the tithe as it was practiced um, in Israel. And that was Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 29. Who's got that? Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Should have worn my running shoes today. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant, and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe, because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver, and take the silver with you, and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God, and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns, so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Okay, that's, that's the tithe as it was established for the nation of Israel. Does that sound like what we have come to understand as tithing today? The answer to that question is no. All right? First of all, um, Israel was an agrarian society. Okay, I, I, I tried to look up one word that sounded big and impressive, and that's the one for this one, agrarian society. You know, they were farmers. They grew stuff, and, 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 um, and that was what they did. So the tithe was actually foodstuffs and things that you brought into the storehouse. And then what were they told to do with the tithe? Eat it, right? I mean, wasn't that what that said? It said, eat it, consume the tithe. You know, so you bring the tithe in and then you eat it, you partake of it. Um, and every third year, it's collected again for specifically the poor, the orphans, the widows, the, Levit the Levitical tribe, which doesn't have an inheritance in the nation of Israel. Okay? That's a little different than what we think of today as tithing. Oh, by the way, I never said what we think of today as tithing, did I? I mean, most people think, this is what they think, is that you take um, one-tenth of everything you get, your income, and you give it to the church. Okay, that's, am I fairly accurate with that? Am I off base? You know, that's kind of what we think of as tithing. Um, 
So that description does not match what we just read in, in the Old Testament as far as what they practice for tithing, right? Right. Okay. So the Old Testament, that's the Old Covenant. Okay, that's the covenant before Christ. Now we live under a new covenant. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, the new covenant, one of the big things that is a hallmark of the new covenant under Christ is that it's a grace as opposed to the law. Okay, does everybody understand that? I mean, you know, we have grace uh, poured out upon us by Christ's sacrifice. It's not the law that we're mandated to follow and obey in order to be deemed righteous. Okay? And there's some talk about uh, grace versus law in the New Testament. One is Galatians 3, 1 to 6. Who had that? Hang on, Chris. You foolish Galatians, who has... Is that loud enough? We good? All right. It's, it's an exclamation point, so... Yeah. All right. You laugh. All right. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort. Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay, so there is an admonition, um, you know, against the Galatians because they were falling back to uh, the old beliefs. This was, uh, this had to do with the circumcision, but, you know, they were falling back on the old beliefs of um, the law as their means to obtain righteousness. And that was wrong. Okay? And they were admonished with an exclamation mark. Okay? So that should set up our attitude about the old covenant and the new covenant. Okay? It's not a little bit of both. It's one or the other. Okay? And my vote goes with the new covenant. Who's with me? Yeah. New covenant's way better. Way better. Okay. I'm losing some of you. Okay, I should have seen everybody's hand go up on that one. That was a no-brainer. That's one of them giveaway test questions. Okay, uh, in Hebrews 8.13, uh, it talks about the new covenant. It says that this covenant, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Okay, so what did Jesus say about tithing? You know? Um, couple verses I didn't give these out to read, but I'll just mention them, and, and well, some of them I did. Did I give out Luke 21, 1 to 4? Anybody have that? Okay, that's the story of the widow's might. Okay, everybody's heard that one, right? Where the widow comes and gives her little um, coin into the offering box, and of course, what's happening with that story? Everybody's watching to see who's putting what in the box, right? Something's wrong right there, but that's what's happening. And the Pharisees, you know, give out of, their, uh, out of their wealth and everything. But this widow gave everything she had. And, uh, and for Jesus, it wasn't the amount that she gave. It was the fact that she gave everything. Okay? So that was one of Jesus' uh, attitudes toward tithing. 
Um, how about Matthew 23, 23? We got that one, right? Okay, hang on. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anisee and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to done and not to leave the other undone. Thanks. Okay, there Jesus talking to the Pharisees again. And uh, I think there was an exclamation mark in that verse too, if I recall correctly. Woe unto you, Pharisees. Okay, um, and what Jesus was talking about there is the fact that they, they faithfully tithe. They give their tenth of all their mint and dill and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yet they forgot the more important things. Mercy, grace, that kind of stuff. Okay, and what was Jesus' answer to them? His answer was, you should have done the latter, exercise mercy, grace, and those kind of things, without foregoing the former. Okay, so the tithing was a habit or practice in the Jewish uh, culture. And he's saying, don't stop doing that. Okay, you should be doing both of those things faithfully. Now, at this point in time, which covenant are they living under? The old covenant. Okay, when did the new covenant kick off? At the crucifixion. Okay. So, Jesus is telling these guys, hey, you're under the Old Covenant, you ought to be following all that, but be thinking about your heart attitude, okay? What's your heart about these things? So, and, and if you recall in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, many times the things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount had to do with our attitude, our heart, okay? What's inside? That was the main thing that he was talking about there. It wasn't, what are you doing, okay? Or, or what kind of activity are you involved in? It's what's your heart uh, attitude about it. That was the predominant theme in the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, the predominant theme in his ministry. Okay. Um, how about Luke 18, 9 to 14? Who's got that? That's one of my favorite ones about tithing. Okay. Take it away, Mike. Luke, uh, where am I? Luke 18, 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. If I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance, he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you this, man rather than other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Awesome. Okay, so here we had the Pharisee who was all full of himself, giving his tithe, doing the faithful thing. Um, and then we have this tax collector, those evil tax collectors. He's saying, I'm a sinner. Okay, confessing his sins to God and understanding his position and understanding his true place. Um, and he's the one that Jesus acknowledged as being righteous. Uh, 
Okay, so there's another attitude about tithing that Jesus had. All right? Okay, so here's the thing. The tithe was a system that was in place under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, and it was part of the law that you had to follow, and you had to give your tenth of everything, um, and then, you know, go eat it and all that kind of stuff. Different from what we think. What are we challenged to do today under the New Covenant? Okay? The thing that we are challenged to do is be giving. I mean, in a, in a word, that's what we're challenged to do, is be giving. I've heard some Bible scholars refer to the practice of tithing as training wheels for a giving heart. Okay? And you can look at it that way. But the bottom line is that that is the old covenant. That is the law. The tithe is the law, and we're not under that anymore. So there is no, and I will throw this out there, Feel free to find out if it's different, but there is no requirement in the New Testament under the New Covenant for the tithe. Woohoo! Right? Okay, I mean, there's no requirement for that. Um, and I don't think there's anything out there that says we must be doing that. We must be taking a tenth and, and giving that to the church or anything like that. However, if you recall back in... Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, most of the things that, that Jesus was talking about, when he mentioned the heart attitude about things, that was harder to do than the activity or the action that it was against, right? Okay, he, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit murder. Okay, how many are okay under that? No murderers in the room, right? No murderers, okay? So that's easy, we got that. But then he says, if you're angry with somebody, you may as well have committed murder. Okay, now not so many hands go up. Because it's harder, okay? The heart attitude is a much harder thing to, to manage or to get under control or to, um, you know, dictate. Okay, in fact, it's so hard that we just plain can't do it. Uh, we can't do it. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to actually make that happen. Okay, because we will fail. That's why, um, you know, we have the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. You know, the Old Covenant, we couldn't succeed in that one. You know, if you had to just follow the law and obey it by your actions, you know, if just going to church every Sunday is what made you righteous, which that's not it either, by the way, you know, um, then a lot of people would be able to do that. It'd be simple. Okay, but it's more than that. It's all about our hearts. All right, um, so in the New Testament covenant, in the New Covenant, the dictate for Christians is just to give. Okay, we're called to give, and that's what we're challenged with. There are no numbers associated with it. Uh, there's no percentages. Um, it's just that we're supposed to have a giving attitude. We're supposed to give. And there are people who, who get confused and wrapped on the axle and say, well, you know, I try to tithe, I want to tithe 10%. Is that supposed to be gross or net? Okay? I mean, if we're asking those kind of questions, we're missing the point. Okay? Totally missing the point. The point is that we have a challenge as people with being attached to stuff. Okay? Attached to things. We have this challenge of, of uh, not being able to manage money well because we have the wrong attitude about it. Okay? We, we want it for us and not for others necessarily. 
And that's not to say in every single case, because you do need to eat, you know, you do need to work, you need to do those kind of things. But it's our attitude in general that's a problem. So how are we supposed to give? What does uh, scripture tell us about that? Well, let's take a look. Um, first of all, the difference between giving and tithing, okay, between the new covenant and the old covenant approach, the giving is free will. Okay, we do that on our own. The tithe was a mandate. Okay, so that's one difference between the two. So we should give of our free will. All right, did I give somebody 2 Corinthians 9.17? I know I did. Okay, Dale. Whatever it is. Did you find it? All right. I knew you would. I knew you would. Now, I'd love to say that was a test, that I put the wrong scripture in there to see if he'd find it, but I can't. That would be a lie. Well, this one fits good here anyway. All right. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And what verse was that? 9-7. I had an extra one in there. I was close. I was close. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9-7. So a cheerful giver. How many have heard that? Everybody's heard that, right? Now, here's the thing. If we are going to be givers, if we are going to be Christian disciples, uh, and we want to become godly as God is godly, we need to give cheerfully. And I will stand here and tell you that if you don't do it cheerfully, just don't do it. Okay? I mean, don't even... I'll, I'll let you off the hook. All right? I, Lance, will let you off the hook. Holy Spirit will not let you off the hook. Okay? But we need to be cheerful givers. We need to have an attitude of joy when we're doing that. And if you're not doing it cheerfully, if you're doing it grudgingly, just don't even do it. Okay? Keep your stuff. Keep your time. Keep your money. Keep your resources. Keep it all to yourself. All right? You have my permission. But, uh, you know, I can't be held accountable for how the Holy Spirit deals with you. And he will. Okay. Um, secondly, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Who's got that? Mike. This interactive stuff great? For you, you're getting a lot, of, a lot of interaction, losing some weight today. Giving to the needy. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, so what's, what, do we get, what do we take away from that? When we give, it's supposed to be kind of in secret, right? It's not supposed to be advertised or, or you know, put out there so we can brag about it. That's not the point. The point is we do it in secret. Now, are we going to be able to do that every single time? The answer to that question is no, okay? Um, you know, mailing wads of cash through the mail doesn't work real well okay these days so there there are going to be some exceptions to that but the point is you're not supposed to make a big deal out of it okay and it's not to draw attention to who 
you, okay? That's not the point. It's not to draw attention to us. So when you give, do it in a, in a way that does not draw attention to you, anonymously, secretly, you know, low-key, low-profile. It's not a big deal, all right? Okay, who's got 2 Corinthians 9, 6? You going to sing it for us? <laughs> no pressure. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Okay, so when we give, what kind of uh, giving should we be doing? We should be doing it generously. Okay, I mean, that verse kind of describes generous and unselfish giving. That's the idea. Okay? Now, that can be misconstrued. In fact, it has been misconstrued. There are some scriptures that uh, you'll hear alluded to as uh, referring to the tithe as we understand it today, as some churches practice it and believe it. Um, and you probably know those verses. Okay? One is um, um, Malachi 3.10. Okay? Malachi, that book that everybody reads all the time. Right? Malachi. Or is it? right at the end of the Old Testament. But it talks about, and I'll just kind of paraphrase here, it talks about something like, bring the, to the whole tithe into the warehouse so that I will open the windows of heaven and you will be blessed. Okay? And that is, did I kind of get that right? Okay. Um, you know, that is when you look at the windows of heaven and you get into some of the, the, the Greek and all that kind of stuff, it's referring to the same windows of heaven that were talked about in Genesis when God first created rain. Okay? And again, the agrarian society back then, okay, was, what do you need to be agrarian? Rain. Right? We've got to have rain. So God is promising that he will provide that uh, for his people if they are faithful in practicing the tithe, which was bringing stuff, food. Right? Okay? So it, it fits that. But we've taken that scripture out of context um, to mean that if, if you tithe, you'll be blessed financially. And I'm here to tell you that that is not what Scripture is teaching us. It's not teaching us that the reason we tithe is so that we get more money. How much sense does that make? As a believer. Eh, it doesn't make any sense, right? That's not why we do it. Um, you know, our motivation to do it should be because we are seeking to be godly. We're seeking to be spiritually mature Christians, so we want to do the kind of things that comport themselves with our being a new creation in Christ. And generous, unselfish giving is one of those things. Right? Okay, another verse that kind of gets uh, taken out of context is back in Ecclesiastes where it talks about casting your bread upon the water and it will be returned to you. Okay, how many, how many have heard that scripture referred to in terms of tithing? Okay, most of those scriptures, what they're trying to what they're trying to capture you with is if you do this, you'll get something for it. That's not how Christ operated. Okay? Um, so those are taken out of context and used to create this notion that the reason we should be tithing or giving or whatever is because we get something for it. Well, we do get something for it. We get a blessing. But it's a blessing because we become more in tune with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus Christ. We become closer in our relationship with them. That's the blessing we get. You know, we're not going to get more money.
because we give some money. That's not the point. Okay? All right. So, um, who had Luke 17.10? Did anybody? Okay. There you go. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. That one's a little tougher to get. Okay, but what, what we're talking about here is doing it unconditionally. Okay, there are no strings attached to why we give. We give unconditionally. Okay, it's our duty because we are children of God and we want to serve him. All right, so, how are we doing? Got another hour and 15 minutes left? About that? Okay. Um, who should we give to? That's a question people often ask. Okay, we're supposed to be giving, we're supposed to be practicing that. Um, you know, who do we, who do we give to? Um, and scripture talks about that a little bit. Um, first of all, it talks about giving to the poor in general. Okay, how many people have heard about this uh, term of giving alms? Have you heard about that? alms. If you've watched Monty Python, you've heard of alms, okay? Alms for the poor, okay? And that's just essentially giving to the poor in general, okay? The needy, those who don't have enough to sustain themselves, okay? For the basics of life, that's a general kind of term. Lots of scripture about that, uh, giving to the poor. Matthew 6, 2, Acts 24, 17 are some examples. Okay, another group that we are to consider is uh, those who are in need within the body of Christ. Okay? And in Galatians 6.10, did I give somebody that one to read? Galatians 6.10? I don't think I did. Okay, Galatians 6.10 talks about meeting the needs of the people in the body. Okay? Us. Weans. All right? We need to take care of each other. And here at Family Bible Church, we try to do that. You know, we have our uh, benevolence fund that we, we have that we... Um, take care of folks and we bless each other by that and if you didn't know that whatever you do contribute to the church that's the kind of stuff it gets used for okay and we need to be faithful about letting you know how you are blessing others with what you provide to us so that's one way um, and and a subset of the body is your own family okay I mean the priority is your family first um, in 1st Timothy 5 4 it talks about um, taking care of your family as a priority. We need to do that. Okay? And then the last thing is just the, the furthering of the gospel or ministries. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 7-9. I don't think I gave that one to anybody to read. But that talks about how you provide funds for the furthering of the gospel, for ministries that are, that are doing Christian work. Okay? Those are kind of categories that we could be giving to. Now, do any of those say specifically you must give it to the church that you go to every Sunday morning? No. The answer is no. All right? Now, there are scriptures uh, in there that talk about taking care of those who bless you, those who minister to you. 
Okay, and we need to be faithful in that. So certainly, absolutely, positively, the church that you go to every Sunday morning, if you're being blessed by that church, okay, if it's not just a church that you go to, to put the check mark in your, I went to church this week box, hopefully you don't have one of those, you know, you come to church hopefully to be blessed and to be uh, given the opportunity to worship corporately, our creator, our God, our master, uh, that's awesome stuff, that's what we do here. Um, you know, if you are blessed by that, then certainly that is one of the categories that fits where you can contribute. Did it say just money? No, it didn't say just money. Okay, we, when you give things, you can give of your time, you can give of your talents, you can give of your resources, you know, whatever it is you are skilled at, all those things fit in giving, right? Okay. So, those are the things. Now, here's the question I always like to ask myself when we do this kind of thing. It's, so what? Okay, so what? Great. We got a history lesson. Wonderful. Um, we talked about some things that Jesus talked about in the scripture. That's great. But so what? You know, what's it matter to me? Does anybody care about that? Anybody here want to hear the so what? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, that's what I want. In fact, sometimes I wish the speaker would just go to the so what and be done with it. Okay, psych, I didn't do that. Um, here are some things that are the so what, okay? First of all, it's not a stuff issue. It's a heart issue, okay? It's not about our stuff. It's not about our things. It's not about our, our bank account. It's not about any of that, okay? That's the kind of thing that Jesus was saying, you guys worry too much about that, you Pharisees, when you're not thinking about these more important things grace mercy love okay those are the kind of things that really matter and so that's where we need to be paying attention all right number two there are no formulas for living in the spirit okay as much as we want to take those verses with numbers in them the number 10 in particular as much as we want to take those and apply those and think that we've got things wired that's not how it works. Okay, there are no formulas. If you think that by living this life in Christ, you're going to be able to get a checklist and just run down the checklist and, and be done with it, well, I'm sorry, but your checklist will get screwed up. Okay, because God does not want us to be automatons or robots that are just kind of doing things by checklist. That's why we have the Holy Spirit to move in us, to teach us, to, to inspire us, to help us to see with clarity of vision what God's design is for us. That's why that's there. If it was just a checklist, we wouldn't have the Bible, we'd have a grocery list, okay? But that's not the way it is. Okay, so there's no formula to living in the Spirit. Um, one of the takeaways I get from this is that we should not be looking at how other people use their money to determine their spiritual health. That's not what it's about either. Okay, it's about our relationship. And, and if we try and look at what other people are doing with their money, um, the focus is in the wrong place. You remember the, the, uh, the moat in your eye, you know, the, spoon, the log in your eye because you can't judge clearly. Uh, you can't see because of your own problems. 
So this is not a way for us to look at how other people are using their finances or their money or their resources or their time uh, to determine their spiritual health. That's not our job, okay? But it is our job to look internally and figure out where we are on that, all right? Okay, and just as an example, and this, I just throw this out there, what's the tendency, and especially even when we look at some scriptures, What's the tendency for us to presume who is more greedy, the rich or the poor? I'm not looking for an answer. It's just to point out that sometimes we judge wrongly because poor can be greedy, rich can be greedy, right? If you're a people, if you're a human, you can be greedy. And that's a problem, okay? But we tend to kind of lump people into groups. So it's not about figuring out who's greedy, is it? Because whether they're greedy or not doesn't matter to us. That's not our problem. Um, am I greedy? That's the question. And, and the answer to that is yes. I'm working on it, okay? Help me out. Okay, and to that end, what God is doing with others is of no concern to us. Did I give anybody John 21, 20 to 22? Okay, anybody want to look that up real quick? Bill used it just a couple weeks ago. John 21, 20 to 22. Anybody got that one? Aaron. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is, it that, what is that to you? You follow me. Pretty plain, right? What does that matter to you? You follow me. I guess that's what it boils down to. Okay? You follow me. And that's really the crux of it. I got one more scripture here, and I'll, I'll actually look this one up and read it. Give me a moment. Essentially, it's talking about living in the Spirit. It's Galatians 5, 13 to 25. In case you're taking notes. Galatians 5, 13 to 25. It says, For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition one to another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. 
For now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So the point there is that we don't have a formula for tithing. It's an old covenant practice. It's something we're not required to do in the new covenant church. But we are required to give. We are required to have a giving spirit. We are required to do those things. You saw those two lists in there in Galatians, you know, the bad stuff. Anybody know what enmity is? If you do, let me know afterwards. I don't know what that is. But that list of bad stuff and then the list of the fruits of the Spirit. That's the main thing. That's the kind of stuff that Jesus was talking about. Pay attention to this. Don't get wrapped around the axle on the formulas or the practices or the habits or the law kind of things. Okay? Practice those. So that's what we're about. Um, We don't mandate that you tithe. Okay? We don't mandate that you do anything uh, with your resources. We only encourage you as a church to practice the kind of things that the Holy Spirit is impelling you, urging you, inspiring you to be doing. So the only way you can do that is to be sensitive to it first and then be obedient. Okay? Understand what the Holy Spirit is leading you in and then be be obedient in that. That's it. Okay? That's how we look at this stuff. Maybe a little different than what you've heard. I don't know. Um, But I think it's grounded in Scripture. And that's where we want to be. We want to be all over that. Okay. Thank you for your patience with me. And uh, if you would join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are gracious and you are almighty God. You are the creator of all things. And anything that we have, anything that we own, anything that we um, have control over in this life has been granted to us by you. And we understand that. We acknowledge that. It's all yours, Father. Um, You know, 10% is not yours. 20, 30, 50, 75, 98. It's all yours, Father. It all comes from you. And you can snatch it away from us uh, in the blink of an eye. And I pray, Lord, that we would be okay with that. And, uh, and that we would glorify you and honor you in spite of that. Lord, I also uh, just want to thank you uh, for the Holy Spirit and, and being resident in our lives. And actually speaking to us and moving us and inspiring us. I pray, Father, that we would have a sensitive heart and an ear tuned to the Holy Spirit. That we would hear your guiding for us. That you would teach us and that we would learn It's a two-way street, Father. Uh, It takes more than just your teaching. We've got to learn it. And I pray that you would do that for us. Father, give us a a desire for your word. Help us to want to get into that and understand it. Because as we read your word, we understand you better. And that's really what it's about, our relationship with you. I pray, Father, that you give us ambition and excitement and enthusiasm to come to know you greater. We would apply these things not just in the way we handle our finances or our resources, but the way that we deal with our spouses, the way that we deal with our children, the way that we interact with people at work, the way that we spend our time in play. Father, I pray that all of those things would be penetrated by your Holy Spirit and that we would dedicate them all to you and that they would all become a, a pleasing aroma, a sacrifice to you. Father, I think about our graduates yet again as they go out. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, They'll be challenged. Uh, They'll be confronted with lots of different ways of thinking 
and understanding things. And Father, we just pray that you would protect them as they go out into that world. And we focus on graduates now because they're starting a new phase in their life. But Father, we deal with this every single day, each and every one of us. We're all challenged. We're all confronted by the enemy. Uh, we're confronted by things of this world. We're confronted by our own flesh. And it's a challenge. It's tough. Father, it's not easy living a life in Christ. But we can do it only by your strength and your power. And we ask for that, Father. We ask that you would give us that strength and power to, to lead a life that is honoring to you, that furthers your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you provide to us. Thank you for the opportunities you give us to give. Thank you for the ways that you have reshaped our hearts and minds. We just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I don't know, I don't know what's next. So we're done. Awesome. Thank you very much. Go out and enjoy the rest of the day.